Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. It is drive time. Elliot Danker, Timothy Goen, Chuan Jen in with you. It's time now to take a look at headlines out of the United States. It is time for the Washington Report. And as uh, the attempted Russian takeover of Ukraine nears its one-year mark this week, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, says China is actively considering providing lethal support to help Moscow. Mm, Plus, we'll talk a bit about balloons, uh, surveillance balloons over North America. What does it mean for the already strained U.S.-China relations? On the line with us is Steve Oaken, Senior Advisor, McLarty Associates. Stephen, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to be back. How are you? <laughs> Very good, sir. Thanks for taking the time to help us out with this. <laughs> Steve, let's get down to this one. There is uh, concern now that China may increase its support for Russia. We're turning into one year since the conflict uh, started between uh, Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, and look, that's, that was always been the concern. And if you recall, on the eve of Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine, you know, the two presidents, Putin and and she vowed to have a relationship, you know, at quote unquote, no limits. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's turned out in the past year, there have been limits on this no limits friendship. Certainly, Putin wanted more out of China. He hasn't gotten the military support in terms of equipment that he might have envisioned and certainly needs. And the U.S. wanted to send a strong reminder that um, if that were to change, it would have a huge effect, not just on U.S.-China relations, but on you know, many countries' relations with, with China. Hey, fill us in on this Chinese peace plan for Ukraine. Apparently, it's going to be revealed this week. And it seems like Western leaders are quite nervous about it. What exactly is making them nervous? Well, the decision on what to happen should not be anybody's really, but, but Ukraine's, you know, President Zelensky, his government and his people. It's mm. Russia that illegally invaded Ukraine. And, and so the Ukrainians need to decide what is it that it will take to end this illegal invasion. And as Vice President Harris said at the Munich Security Conference, the crimes against humanity and the war crimes being committed by Russia. So no one quite figures out why China now feels that it can mediate, especially as, as China has said, there are no limits in its friendship with Russia. So there is concern as to how China is going to try and tip the scales because it's clearly favoring Russia. It still refuses to call the military campaign an invasion. So those are the, the issues that have people nervous. And I think it's why, despite the tensions in U.S.-China relations right now, Secretary Blinken wanted to make it very clear to the Chinese foreign minister that there will be severe consequences if military aid is given to the Russians by the Chinese. Okay, Steve, let's look at the brighter side. There's now open line of communication between uh, Beijing and Washington again. How do you think this will pan out moving forward? Will it be easier for the Secretary of State to travel to Beijing in the next few months? Well, well, Timothy, to say that there's a brighter side, right, that shows how dark it is, right? If, this is, if the bright side is a very tense meeting between the U.S. and China, then we are not in great, great, uh, great shape in terms of that relationship. Of course, the two sides need to talk. It would be great to have a high-level meeting between the U.S. and China. In China, it hasn't occurred for, I think, five or six years now. It would be great to have the two presidents meet 
you know, Xi Jinping is supposed to come to the United States for APEC when they host that meetings in November. So hopefully you start with a, a visit by the Secretary of State to Beijing and then you reciprocate and you lead up to it because we do need talks between the two countries. And so it, it will take whatever bright glimmer of hope we can have right now. So if former Secretary of State uh, Hillary Clinton managed to, well, try to reset relationships with Moscow, can Anthony Blinken do the same for Beijing? Well, I, mean, I think things may be even worse between between the U.S. and Russia. So there's so much interconnectivity between the U.S. and China, even as tense as relations are now. Trade continues to increase between the U.S. and China. The economic investment is still there between the U.S. and China. So there isn't that level of engagement and never has been that level of engagement between the U.S. and the Soviet Union during the Cold War and certainly the U.S. and Russia now. But there is that level in U.S. and China. So a reset is you need diplomatically a bit. But look, there are going there's going to be competition um, between the U.S. and China, especially on where you get the intersection between the economic and the military. And that's that is going to lead to continued tensions in in certain regards. It's not going to let up just because the secretary of state and the foreign minister meet. Steve, Anthony Blicken, the U.S. Secretary of State, as we're talking about, is also set to hold talks on aid and Nordic NATO bid in his visit to Quick Hit Turkey. I believe he arrived there yesterday, and this trip comes two years after he took office. Is there anything worth reading into as far as U.S.-Turkey relations go? I mean, it has been two years since he last visited there. He has, and, you know, Turkey is a, an ally of the United States through NATO, so it's a very different relationship mm. but, than, than you have between, you know, the U.S. and a, and a non-allied country. The U.S. is going to give, um, you know, $100 million or more in aid um, to aid the recovery um, from the earthquake. Um, but there are challenges in that relationship. Turkey wants to buy fighter jets from the U.S., but Congress has concerns over Tur- Turkey's human rights record. Okay. This U.S. would like to see Turkey ratify Sweden and Finland to join NATO. They haven't done that. So there are certainly tensions in the relationship, but you have to remember this is an ally. I mean, it, it would be surprised if, if that can't get worked through. Steve, how should the U.S. then dance with with Turkey? Eh? Because we all know that Ankara also has close relationships with uh, Moscow. In fact, if you go to Turkey now, you see a lot of Russian people around the country as well. So it's something of a very delicate dance that uh, Washington has to do. It is, but also in a way, Turkey has been very valuable because Turkey can be a you know a mediator, an interlocutor between mm. Ukraine and Russia that China cannot. China is too close to Russia with that, you know, relationship of, of having no limits, whereas Turkey being in NATO has those relationships with both Ukraine and with Russia historically. So that could be a positive in what's happening is a way to try and find some solution to the to the to the war that Russia's waging on Ukraine right now. All right, so we are on the line this afternoon with Steve Oaken, Senior Advisor for McLarty Associates, taking a look at some headlines out of the United States. Uh, elsewhere, we've got U.S. President Joe Biden heading to Europe to mark the first anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. 
Ooh, um, this is a tricky one, Steve. What can we expect from this? Um, considering that uh, the Ukrainian president has visited the, the United States president quite recently, I believe. Yeah, well, you know, and this is something that's backfiring on Russia because you have the U.S. strengthening its presence yeah. in militarily in NATO and in Poland because of the invasion. And that's something that, that Joe Biden is going to talk about when he's in Poland. This is the second time he's going to be there, you know, in, in just a couple of years. So it's a very close relationship being driven even closer by, by Putin. Steve, we know, of course, uh, President Putin will also be defiant about this. How do you think he's likely to respond? He's going to respond, it seems, the way he's always responded for the past year, which is continuing to throw everything he has against Ukraine, regardless of the loss of life in Ukraine, regardless of the cost of civilians, regardless to the cost of his own people. Mm. And so that's the challenge. If Putin has absolutely no limit on what he's going to do, how do you negotiate with him? And that's why one year in, it's almost scarier today than it was a year ago as to what's going to happen in this coming year. Hang on, you, you say it's almost scarier than a year ago. Does this mean the the nuclear arsenal card is still going to be played? Because for a while, it seemed like someone or anyone was trying to call bluff. Well, the line keeps moving as to what the, the, the West has done to support Ukraine militarily. First, it was, you know, we're not going to send in any rockets and we're not going to send in any tanks both of those have now been sent in um now you know president Zelensky is calling for fighter jets the you know u.s germany have in france uk have said no right now but what happens if that changes what happens if if putin is going to continue to lose hundreds of thousands of lives um and isn't going to mm. stop so where is that line that's why there's you don't see any end in sight right now with the position that Ukraine has taken about getting all of its territories back okay. and with Putin having no care in the world about what he's going to lose. All right. One last thing, uh, Steve, before we let you go, let's talk about the upcoming U.S. presidential election. Nikki Haley last week uh, officially announced that she is running to be mm -hmm. a Republican standard bearer again. She represents a younger generation mm -hmm. of politicians in the U.S. Is that something that uh, President Biden should worry about being one of the or will be the oldest when he runs for president? And for that matter, even for Donald Trump, who yeah. is also one of the oldest. Hey, right now, Nikki Haley is the only announced candidate who was born after the 1940s, right? So, <laughs> uh, you know, and she's called for a mental competency test against any candidate oh, over boy. 75. Oh, boy. Uh, not, but here's the thing, you know, look, Joe Biden was old when he ran last time. And there were these issues brought up against him last time. He got through a lot of young challengers against the Democratic Party. And it's not like he's gotten younger over the past three years. <laughs> That's true. So I, yeah, I, I think he's going to be, I, I think this is being overplayed a bit. Now, look, if the, if the Republicans do nominate somebody who's a lot younger, a lot more energetic and campaign a lot more aggressively, maybe that'll change things. But right now, I think most Democrats have come to the conclusion, hey, he's, he's doing a good job, Joe Biden is president. There isn't anybody better right now on the horizon. Mm. So let's stick with him. All right. We've been speaking with Steve Oak and Senior Advisor, McLarty Associates. Steve, thank you as always for your time. You have a great week ahead.
You too, Elliot. You too, Timothy. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.